Open your Bibles with me to the 119th Psalm. We're going to be continuing this week with the study that we began last week, anchored in the Word of God. And our aim in this series is to again hold a spotlight over our convictions about the Bible. We want to purposefully stress how necessary it is that the steadfast commitment of our hearts would be to keep God's Word as the mighty fixture to which our lives are securely tied. If you're not familiar with Psalm 119, this is an extended prayer poem whereby the human author takes the Hebrew alphabet, uh, the 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and he arranges them uh, in order and assigns to them uh, eight verses, each creating uh, 22 stanzas of eight verses, and in each stanza, uh, the Hebrew letter um, begins the first word. It's a beautiful poem that's been, been written for us in Holy Scripture. And it's a prayer to God, and, and the ultimate purpose of this prayer is to highly exalt the Word of God. Verse after verse after verse, we see the unmistakable emphasis on Quote, your word, or the testimonies of the Lord, the the law of the Lord, the statutes of the Lord, the ways of the Lord, his precepts, his commandments, his rules, his promise. The psalmist uses all of these different titles for the word of God, and he makes requests of the Lord, many requests along the way. And together with these requests, as we survey Psalm 119, what we also see is the psalmist is making a whole host of declarations about his disposition toward the Word of God. Consider these many declarations that I've just pulled out from Psalm 119 about the Word of God. I have stored up. I shall walk. I will keep. I will meditate. I do not turn aside. I incline my heart. I consider. I cling. I trust. I have chosen. I take comfort. I remember. I know. I hope. And how about this one? I believe. And this is what Miles so helpfully showed us last week that In order to be anchored in the Word of God, we must be sure that we believe the Word of God. We're convinced that this is where we need to be anchored because we believe that this book is what it claims to be. It's the Word of God speaking to us. We believe that He's given it to us so that we might know Him and and that we might know His plan of redemption. And we believe that it has power to change lives. And what I want to set before us this morning is another of the psalmist declarations in Psalm 119. One that has a number of recurrences throughout, anchoring us further in God's Word that flows out of right belief about God's Word, and it's this affirmation, I delight in the Word of God. I delight in God's Word. We all have an inborn desire for joy. 
This is the way that God has made us. And listen, when, when we properly read God's word, we understand, we see in God's word that he teaches us to actively strive after our own happiness. Now, I know some might hear me say something like that, and, and, and it might be misunderstood. It might be taken to, convert, to confirm that um, our own version of God is, is the God that exists, that there's a higher being who just wants everyone in, in this world to be happy, whatever that might mean to each one of them. That's definitely not what I'm suggesting. So if that's what you think I'm saying, when I claim that God wants us to strive to be delighted, then that's wrong. Others with well-intentioned concern might hear me say that God wants us to strive to uh, fulfill our own pleasure. And, and they would say, well, well, hang on a second, Pastor. God's not concerned with our happiness. He, he wants us to be holy. And, and we can understand what's going on with this kind of objection, this kind of response, right? It's, it's a reaction uh, to the other response that I just mentioned. It, it's an attempt to uphold God's glory above all things. And yet what we would have to say to this reaction is that it too misses the mark. To, to say that God is concerned not for our happiness but for our holiness or for His glory, is to create a false dichotomy. It's to separate and make an either-or distinction between two things that, that can, or, or in this case, two things that are meant to go together. Here's what Scripture teaches. My quest for my delight and my greatest purpose to know and worship God are not in conflict. They go together. We're not meant to choose one over the other. John Piper says it like this. He says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Have you heard that? God is most glorified in us. We give God the most glory when He is the ultimate treasure of our hearts. When we delight in Him. And so the truth that I want to hammer home this morning from God's Word is that we want to grow more deeply anchored in delight in God and in His Word. The true source of our greatest delight is none other than God who reveals Himself through His Word. There's all sorts of imposters. There's all sorts of Lies screaming at us and promising us lasting joy and other pursuits. So let me say this again. The true source of our greatest delight is none other than God who reveals himself through his word. And through this intensely personal chapter, the psalmist writes of his experience in God's word, his affection for for God's word, his desire for the word of God. And as he does this, he's, he's not merely telling us about his perspective of the word, but through this, breathed out by God's scripture, we are being called to be anchored in these same convictions about delighting in God's word. I don't want us to just recognize the fact that it is indeed uh, the source 
of our greatest delight. You know, that's objectively true, whether we embrace it, believe it, lay hold of it or not. This is objective truth because God declares it to be true, but, but he doesn't want us to just simply recognize it as fact. He wants us to wholeheartedly agree. He, he wants us to genuinely lay hold of this and declare with the psalmist, yes and amen. God's word is my greatest delight. Let me offer you three reasons from Psalm 119 to delight in God's word. First, delight in the word of God because it satisfies your soul. It satisfies your soul. And we're going to start broad here with this first point and really what I want us to do is is anchor ourselves in this truth that there is nothing in all the world that can come close to the incomparable treasure of God's Word. And we want to start actually at the end of the psalm. We're going to look at a bunch of verses this morning and we're going to be maybe moving all over the place. We're going to put some up on the screen. Some I'm just going to read to you. I encourage you to take notes and jot down some of the verses I mentioned. But first, we're going to look at verse 162 right at the end. So probably three, four, five pages in your Bibles. Turn to the end. Uh, verse 162 says these words, I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. Just meditate on those words for, for a moment. Psalmist is comparing opening the Bible to the joy of finding Buried treasure, immense treasure. I just want you to imagine this. Imagine you discover a map, right? And and on the map it says, you know, X marks the spot, and and you know the spot. You know just where to go, and you and you go, and and you dig up uh, this envelope, and you and you open the envelope, and inside the envelope there's there's a key, and a little uh, maybe a card, a business card with an address written on it, and, and you know where that is. And so you go and you take this key and, and your heart just filled with anticipation. What, what, must, what must be waiting for me here? And, and you get there and it's a beautiful estate. Just an awesome property to look at. And, and there's a, a big driveway with, with a, a big house, the most beautiful house you've ever dreamed of owning. And you, you go up to the front door and you put the key, it fits just perfectly. You turn the key, you open it up and, and balloons just fall from the ceiling, right? And, and, and the, the, the celebration goes off. This is your home now. Congratulations, you win. Uh, no strings attached. No, no, no uh, rules apply here. No, no uh, broken laws. Okay, just imagine, all right? And then you go down to the basement and there's this room-sized safe in the basement and you, and you open it up, only you have the code and, and just floor to ceiling, wall to wall, just bundles and stacks of $100 bills, all for you. How delighted would you be? Now look at verse 72. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Let's paraphrase that. It's more desirous for me to have and to know and believe and to live out the word of God 
than to have all the luxury, or maybe, or maybe luxury is not your thing. Maybe you're, you're a just-in-case kind of person. So maybe all the security that comes with an endless stockpile of money. This, this right here, this is the true treasure. And, and maybe money is not your thing. Maybe you like food. So look at verse 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. We see things throughout, like this, right? Throughout scriptures. Telling us that the word of God is, is better than whatever it is we can imagine. This is the point. Whatever your thing is, whether it's money or food or entertainment or, or relationships or, or the comfort maybe of the absence of trials. Listen, it's no trouble for me to stand here this morning and remind you of these things. That no, though none of these are bad in and of themselves, nothing, nothing in all the world compares to the joy of hearing from God. So let me ask you this. How true is this for you, personally? I mean, I want you to think this morning, what is it that you find your greatest delight in? I mean, really think about it. And it's actually quite easy to know. What do you spend your time on? Or if you feel like you don't have any time, what do you wish you had time for? What do you daydream about? What do you long to do? And there's your answer. That's what you delight in. Where you spend your time, where you spend your effort, your money, your thinking. We pursue that which we believe is going to bring joy to our hearts. And sometimes we're so delighted in our favorite pleasures of this world... And if I could take the liberty of of putting words in God's mouth, so to speak, he says this. He says, I wish your heart was as excited about my word. We, We need to just examine ourselves, our own hearts this morning, and ask to what degree we can sincerely say, verse 20, with the psalmist, my soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. Or verse 47, I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. If we're honest, we could all say that we're tempted by the allure of other things and and that our delight in God's Word just ebbs and flows. And we could take for granted that we have in our possession the very words of God. Of God. Pages upon pages, chapters upon chapters, books upon books breathed out from God for us. It's good for us again today to hear that the scriptures are what ultimately satisfies our soul. Every longing that surpasses our longing for God's word is what the Apostle Paul calls a deceitful desire. 
Right? These, these deceitful desires, they, they promise, but they don't fulfill. They, they offer, but they always fall short. It's like the preacher in Ecclesiastes who tells us, I had it all. I, I went, I looked, I gathered, I had everything. And I still found myself wanting. Because nothing else compares. Nothing else satisfies our souls. Authentic joy is found primarily, ultimately in the word of God. All right, let's get more specific. Secondly, delight in the word of God because it guides your steps. It guides your steps. Now turn to verse 24. See, the psalmist says, your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. The word of God for this writer is his instruction for all of life. It's where he goes for answers. It's where he turns for help in knowing how to think and and how to feel and how to act in a way that's in line with godliness and with what's pleasing to the Lord. Of course, this must be true of how we think about God's Word as well. When we truly recognize that the Scriptures are our counsel, we say, as the psalmist says in verse 30, I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I have set your rules before me. Or verse 34, Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. How about verse 59? When when I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. I love that one. When I think how I'm going to live my life, when I think about how I'm going to act and how I'm going to speak and how I'm going to feel and how I'm going to think, I turn to your word. How about verse 66? Teach me Good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. When we think like this, we sincerely affirm the sweet words of verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. One last one, verse 168. I keep your precepts and testimonies for all my ways. See that? All my ways are before you. When God is our counselor, when his word is our counsel, it guides the steps of every area of our lives. It's, it's our wisdom when it comes to leisure. What, what we do for, for entertainment and for fun and how much of it we do. It's our counsel in the workplace or in the classroom or in our neighborhoods. Teaching us how to talk to people, how to follow, how to lead, how to act with kindness. It's our wisdom over our finances. Teaching us how to be generous, how to save, how to spend, how not to spend. It's our counsel in relationships. How to handle conflict. How to repent and forgive one another. How to love. Teaching us who to unite with, who not to unite with. It's it's our wisdom for how to process and respond to all the pain 
and all the confusion of this broken world that we're living in. In every area of life, God's word speaks as our counselor. And church, we, we'll say this again. We, we, we don't compartmentalize, right? We, we don't say, well, okay, these areas of my life over here, these are the spiritual areas, and then these areas over here, this, these are not. Everything is a spiritual matter. And yet, what happens is we neglect God's word sometimes, and instead of um, taking counsel from God's word, we end up taking counsel from a lot of different places other than the one place where it's truly found. Maybe you don't even realize that this is what you're doing, but some of you, you're taking your cue for wisdom for living from places other than God's word. You're, you're being counseled by, by news outlets or, or by social media. Your steps are being guided by your friends or your family or, or politicians or, or authors or actors who, who don't know the Lord and, and couldn't care less about the testimonies of His Word. And to, to bring the focus here back to the theme of this message and the first half of verse 24, in our quest for joy, we turn down a wayward path that only leads to folly and disappointment or maybe even worse. And so today is the call to delight ourselves in the testimonies of God, to again put down the anchor, to delight ourselves in the counsels of His Word. And listen, when we do this, He will be glorified. He will make your path straight. And He will delight your heart. And I said a few minutes ago that the Word of God is um, where the human author of Psalm 119 goes to for answers, right? It's where he turns for help to think and and to feel and act in a way that's in line with godliness and with what's pleasing to the Lord. And we need to add one more thing here. We, We sometimes forget that living in a manner that's pleasing to the Lord isn't only glorifying to Him, but it's also perfectly consistent with what's best for us. We need to remember that to look to God's Word for counsel for living our lives is to pursue what's the very best and good and most joy-producing thing that I could do. As we delight in God's testimonies and we we seek His Word for counsel, this this brings more joy to our hearts. And and we see this proving true that in our joy we seek out His counsel, but then He gives us uh, joy from doing this. And it's a cycle or, or a pattern for actual delight in life. We would say with full conviction the words of verse 35. Lead me in the path of your commandments for I delight in it. God has given us a sure guide 
for life. And it's an amazing gift from the Lord that, that He has not left us without His voice to speak into each and every day of our lives. As we consider this, this ought to fill our hearts with delight, shouldn't it? To, to contemplate that God has spoken to us, has given us counsel. What an amazing treasure. And it just can't help but to fill our hearts with joy, with pleasure, and to come back to God's Word with this attitude. Now, this doesn't mean that everything is always going to be trouble-free, right? We live in a broken world. Life is still hard. And I'm, I do realize that, and, and uh, I want to speak to that. In fact, this leads into the third point this morning, delight in the Word of God first because it satisfies your soul, second because it guides your steps, now third and, and most specifically delight in the Word of God because it reveals your salvation. It reveals your salvation. More than one thing can be true at the same time Right? More than one thing can be true at the same time when it comes to experiencing the difficulties of life. This is, this is so important for each and every one of us to know and understand because we're all going to face trials whether it's now or in the days ahead. And here's what I, I mean by this. It, it is possible to feel both the burdens and pains of anguish and heartache while at the same time to feel the deep-rooted joy that comes with being in the Word of God. I don't want anybody to hear this message this morning about delight and think that I'm suggesting that the Scriptures teach that when hard times come that we must just be outwardly exuberant all the time. You know, just smiling still from ear to ear, bouncing off the walls. That, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what Scripture teaches. But the Word of God does demonstrate very clearly that we not only can but should maintain delight in the Word of God and in the God of the Word even in times of trouble. And again, to look ahead to the writings of the Apostle Paul, this is what he means when he says sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Remember that? 2 Corinthians as he describes just the, the trouble, the serious trouble that he's been going through. And one, of the, one of the things that he says is, is we're sorrowful yet always rejoicing. And that's actually what's going on in this psalm. The occasion for the writing of Psalm 119 is trouble. I'm not sure if you knew that. We, we don't know who the human author is, but one thing we know for sure is that this psalmist is writing from a place of suffering. 
He's experiencing very difficult circumstances, including severe, like unjust mistreatment. He's, he's being rejected. He, he's in what appears to be very imminent danger. And yet at the same time, what we keep seeing is that he wholeheartedly says again and again, I delight. I delight. I rejoice. In what? In the Word of God. Look at verse 143. Trouble and anguish have found me out, but your commandments are my delight. Think about this. This is, this is so good. It's, it's not as if the Word of God is like some kind of consolation prize or or just like one of many things that the psalmist is grasping at to try and cheer him up. That's not what's going on here. He actually says that if it wasn't for the joy that comes from the Word of God, he recognizes that he would be utterly doomed. Look at verse 92. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. This is true for the psalmist and this is true for us. If, if we're not finding our joy in God's word, we're done for. Both temporally and eternally. So what ultimately is it about God's word that brings such pleasure, such joy, such delight? That's really the key question. What is it that's revealed in this book that is a surpassing joy that eclipses everything and anything else. It's that the Word of God reveals our salvation. The Word of God reveals the promise-keeping, faithful to rescue, steadfastly loving, mighty to save God of all the earth. And it's this revelation that gives us perspective in the here and now, as we wait for the there and then. In verse 50, the psalmist says, This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. Verse 123, My eyes long for your salvation. And for the fulfillment of your righteous promise. Let me say that one again. My eyes long for your salvation and for the fulfillment of your righteous promise. The reason that delight in God's word gives rest for our hearts even even in times of trouble, is because it holds out for us the sure and certain promise of deliverance. And the psalmist, throughout Psalm 119, he clings to this truth. He finds great joy in it, and he bids us, by example, to do the same. This writer looked to the word of God and he believed with delight that God would come and rescue him 
and we know from the Word of God that the Rescuer is His very own Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We know from the Word of God that Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. We know from the Word of God that Jesus lived a perfect life so that He could be the guiltless sacrifice in the place of all who would look to Him for the forgiveness of their trespasses against a holy God. We know from the Word of God that after taking the wrath of God for sin on that cross, three days later He rose victorious from the grave over sin and death. We know from the Word of God that there's no judgment to come for all those who through faith put their hope in Him. We know from the Word of God that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. From the Word of God, we know that if we are in Christ, no matter what we go through in this world, by His grace, by very definition, it's undeserved, right? By His grace, we've been redeemed, we've been forgiven, we've been adopted. We know from the Word of God that He has taken us and brought us into His family. We've been granted every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit as a seal, as a guarantee for the day of redemption. We know from the Word of God that He has a promised place prepared for us with Him in eternal paradise. We know from the Word of God that He's coming again to gather to Himself all those who love Him and are waiting for His appearing. And it's because of this revealed truth that we greatly rejoice and we delight to return again and again to the fountain of living water. Amen. But what do we do when our delight is not where it ought to be? Maybe you're hearing this this morning and you're thinking, well, I see how that um, happens for other people, but I, I just can't get there. Or, or perhaps, as we all should, you're sitting here this morning thinking, I, I'd like to grow in this area. What should we do? Let me offer a, a few suggestions, beginning, even just borrowing again from last week, begin by recommitting to being anchored in God's Word. Don't just take uh, these things in this series as, as uh, simply reminders that um, maybe you already know, but, l- but let this series, as, again, as we shine the spotlight on God's Word, let it drive you to put down the anchor again. In God's Word. Believe 
that this book is the living word of the living God and that it's of greater worth than anything else. Believe that the word of God satisfies the deepest longings of your soul. Believe that it tells us how to live here and now. How, how to um, come to each day, whatever each day brings, and apply God's wisdom to whatever it is He has before us. Believe that God's Word tells us how we can live forever in perfect fellowship with Him because of our Savior. Put down the anchor. Believe these truths. Cultivate a thankful heart. Express gratitude to God for His Word. Make that a point of emphasis that, that you would thank God that He has given us a sure guide, a, a perfect revelation, a glorious testimony of His faithful, steadfast love for His children. Thank Him for His Word. Thank Him often for His Word. And then finally, pray. Pray about this. Pray that God would fashion your heart to delight more and more in His Word. Get alone with God and beg Him to grow you in delight so that you can wholeheartedly and sincerely agree with the words of Psalm 119. I've been reading through Psalm 119 this week. I, I, I'm not sure which verse it is, but in one of the verses, um, this, the psalmist appeals to God. He says, you're the one who made me. You're the one who fashioned me. You put me together. And then he makes, on the heels of that declaration, on that believed truth, he makes a request to the Lord and asks the Lord to, to do something in his heart with his word. And think about what's going on there. The, the psalmist is saying, this, nothing is impossible for you. You can wire my heart. You can rewire my heart. You, you can change the inclinations of my soul. You can affect change in what makes me happy. So pray. I've been praying this prayer all week. God, make me a man who delights more in your word than I have in the past. Grow me as one who finds my ultimate joy and satisfaction in opening up the book that you have given to us. At the beginning of his time of earthly ministry, Jesus, when he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, you remember he clung to the word of God. He quoted the word of God and he said, man shall live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then Jesus' life was, was firmly perfectly anchored in God's word every step of the way and as he comes to the end of his life that final night before he went to the cross 
He said these words. He said, the Son of Man goes as it is written of Him. And after saying these words, after looking to the Scriptures, Jesus instituted what we call the Lord's Supper. A celebration of remembrance for what He did and what He's going to do. And we're going to do this together this morning.